Welcome to I Love to Tell the Story. This is a podcast for praise where we love to get together and share stories about what Jesus Christ has done in our lives, about how he has transformed us through the power of the gospel and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus from the dead. And today I am Pastor David Collins and this episode is going to be a little bit different in that I am going to be sharing my own story instead of interviewing and talking with somebody else and having them share their story. I know that many of you that are listening to this podcast know me and have heard many of my stories and how I came to know Jesus Christ as Savior, but for those of you that don't know me, I would love to share with you about what God has done in my life over the last several decades since I came to know Him. Now, my story really begins in that I am a what is known as a second-generation Christian. My parents were both saved in the 70s throughout the Campus Crusades for Life ministry, and I was born in the early 80s, and so I was really raised in church in a Christian home from before I was ever even born. And so church has always been a part of my life. The Bible has always been a part of my life, but what a joy it is that we can have that multi-generational context now. And my wife and I, we are trying to raise our children in the church and in the faith and in the gospel of Jesus Christ and being empowered by that. And I remember really, I got saved when I was about five years old. It was at the end of the Awana Club year. And if you're not familiar, Awana is basically a kind of a boy Girl Scouts program for the church. And you memorize Bible verses, you play games, you have time with another leader that is really discipling these kids and getting them rooted in the Word of God and helping them to grow. And my dad was one of the leaders of that program. And I remember at the the end of the club year, he would always go around to all the different age groups and he would give the gospel. He would just tell about what Jesus Christ did on the cross and how we are all sinners and we need a savior and we can't do it ourselves. And by simply putting our faith in him and asking Jesus to save us from our sins, asking for that forgiveness from God, we can be forgiven also. I had some questions about that, and I still have vivid memories in my mind of going home that night. I can picture the bedroom that we were in. I can picture the house. I can picture there being next to my bed, talking to my dad about that, and then kneeling down asking the Lord Jesus for forgiveness, not having as much, obviously, when you're five, you don't have as much uh, deep theological understanding as I do now, three, (laughs) three and a half decades later, but I still remember that that was the beginning of my Christian life. The Holy Spirit, I, I know, came into my life at that moment and has guided me in my life from that moment in time. And It was then a few years later that God began to call me into serving in vocational ministry, making serving God with my entire life, making that a part of my job, being a pastor, calling me into this kind of full-time ministry. But that was not my desire. It was not something that I was seeking out. I mean, 1 Timothy chapter 3 says that he that desires the office of a bishop desires a good work. He that desires to serve God in this capacity, it's a good thing to desire. But it really wasn't on my radar. It wasn't on my agenda. I knew from a very early age I loved I loved. Uh, animals. I loved pets. I loved working with them. I, I, I read all kinds of books. 
And I knew I grew up in Woodland, California, just, you know, the UC Davis, uh, University campus was only about a 12-minute drive from where I grew up, and I had it all planned out. I was going to go to UC Davis. I was going to be a veterinarian. I was going to, I had the grades. I, I, I loved math. I did well in science. I was going to be a straight-A student all the way through because I wanted to get into that university, and I was going to be a vet. I was going to open up my own clinic, and I was going to take care of animals for the rest of my life. That all came to a screeching halt at about the age of 12 when I was in junior high, and we began doing dissections, and I realized I don't really have the stomach to actually cut open animals on a regular basis, deal with some of the more anatomical and gross parts of what it actually means to be a nurse or a doctor or a veterinarian and so that really came down it just kind of blew up my whole plan and I even remember thinking well, what am I going to do now okay that plan didn't work out so now I know what I do I love planes again you have to have uh, great grades and you have to really do well. So I'm going to be a pilot in the military. I'm going to talk to the Air Force. I'll talk to the Navy. I will talk to the Marines. I will talk to all the various different branches of government. I'm going to find a spot where I will be a pilot. I'm going to fly planes and serve my country. And then a couple of years later, um, I began actually talking to some of the recruiters and found out that if you do not have basically perfect 2020 vision, then there is no chance that they are going to put you in control of a multi-million dollar aircraft. And uh, when I was a when I was younger, um, following one of our Awana, if you're familiar with the Awana Bible quizzing nights, uh, we were out celebrating at an ice cream shop, and unfortunately, there was an accident that uh, that had taken place, and I hit my head. My my vision has since that day not been perfect, and I had to wear glasses from the time that I was about uh, nine or ten years old, and it was just it's reality. And so obviously glasses aren't going to be able to stick to your head when you're pulling G's. If you're a fighter pilot or if you're flying other things, they don't want your glasses to fall off your face and then you crash and destroy all the cargo or other lives or all kinds of problems. And so it, it makes sense that the military wouldn't allow this. But again, it was just one of those, ah, what am I going to do with my life now? I know I really like to write. I'm creative. I like making up stories. I'll be an author. I'll be a novelist. And, and I know that I'll be able to, to just be able to make a good living and it'll be exciting and fun. And I actually still have a deep passion for that. And, you know, someday, uh, Lord willing, that I will publish some kind of a book. I don't know exactly what it's going to be. My wife and I are actually even in the process of talking about various other things that uh, we have learned throughout our lives together and our marriage and trying to put together uh, some kind of a book like that that may be of a blessing to other couples and the struggles that they go through in their marriage and family life. And uh, so that's still something that is on the radar, but it was shortly after that point, I was about 15, 16 years old at this stage, and my youth pastor came to me and said, hey, you know, have you ever thought about serving God in the way that like this would be your job? I said, no, 
What? No way. Yeah, I, I like I like doing Bible studies. I'll lead in prayer. I'll I'll do some of that kind of stuff. But this this uh, it's not it's not something that I'm I'm looking to do with you know I'm I'm not gonna do this all the time. And he said, Well, I think you should really pray about it. And I did. And that next upcoming summer, I was actually already slated to go on a missions trip through the Awana Missionary and Training Program to the Czech Republic. And while we were there, I was really, really starting to feel the Lord leading in this direction and was really praying and asking him to confirm for me. You know, I I look back now and I think I was only 16, 17 at the time. It's not like it was some huge, oh, you have to make all your life decisions right at this moment. But when the Lord starts working, you, you can't get away from that burden. You can't get away from that calling for that, that desire, that leading that he has for you. And that's really where I was. And I was several thousand miles away from where I had grown up. And we were out in a small village in the Czech Republic helping, um, just basically doing like a vacation Bible school style program there for the week. And each of us was on the team. We're going to teach a Bible lesson. We had one lesson in kind of the late morning time and then another lesson that would be in the afternoon time. And this particular village area that we were in, there was this, these giant, um, you know, 10, 12 story, uh, apartment complexes with a little central playground area kind of in between four or five of these buildings all facing that sort of quad like area and there was all kinds of construction happening these buildings were just in uh, they were practically about to fall over they would look like with just they needed lots and lots of retrofitting work and constant noise all the time and it was my turn to give the Bible lesson, and as I started, and we're talking through a translator, suddenly everything got quiet. All of the construction workers quit working, sat down on the edge of their scaffolding. Some of them were eating lunch, but I could tell that many of them were just listening to this translator. A lot of times there were also families, kids, people coming and going. All that noise was just gone for the seven to eight solid minutes that I was giving this lesson. Obviously, again, I'm talking through a translator. It was probably only about three minutes worth of material, but it took that seven or eight minutes and there was absolute quiet. And it was at that moment that God was saying, look, I've quieted all this down because I want you to recognize that this is what I want you to do with your life. I want you to teach other people about my scriptures. I want you to teach other people about the the awesome power of the gospel. I want you to teach other people. I want you to continue to learn and grow in your own life so then you can invest in the lives of others and help them become better Christians than they could ever do on their own. That's scary. As it began to sink in exactly what God was calling me to, and again, I look back and I think you know, 20 years later, there I did not fully understand everything that God was calling me to at that moment. But 
the reality of it began to sink in. And then within a few months, it was clear that this is what he was calling me to. I had signed up for Bible college, was getting ready to graduate. I had one more year left. I had to do my senior year of high school. And then I was going to go to college, graduate, start serving in a church. And I just even thank God that over the last 20 years since all that took place, how he has continued to grow me how he has continued to to invest in me and and how he has given me many many gracious christians throughout my young ministry life and i know that there are some of you that are listening now that you are a part of that collection of people that you have sat under my leadership you have followed me and you have listened to things that i've said and i i just say that i i appreciate that i i love you I, I, I thank God for your forgiveness when I made foolish decisions or mistakes. I thank God for your grace and that you allowed me to continue to grow and be who I am today. And you are still allowing me to grow and continue to become more like Christ with each passing day. It's been exciting being in the ministry now, as, as long as I have, and I know that I'm still very, very young and still in many ways have a lot to go through and learn, but just by way of sharing a few different stories with you that, that Christ has taught me and things that he's allowed me to see over the last uh, really 15, 16 years since I graduated from uh, college and began in ministry, um, you know... The, the spiritual battles that are all around us that I think sometimes we, we don't even recognize because we get so involved in our daily lives and just in the, the mundane things that are constant, there is a spiritual warfare happening. I, I vividly remember I was giving the gospel to a group of teenagers that were skateboarding outside of a mall in Southern California. And most of them kind of just moved on. But there was this one kid that, man, I could see Holy Spirit was working on him. He was dialed in. He was listening. And the moment that I asked him, hey, do you, is there anything stopping you today from knowing Jesus Christ, your Savior, accepting that gift? It was like this light switch just turned and bam. I could see it in his eyes. He kind of even like shook his head and was like, no, I, I, I got to go and just left. And that spiritual war that is happening for the souls of people, and even if you are saved, that spiritual battle that is still happening to make you ineffective for the kingdom of Christ and try to rip you down and tear you apart and, and make you feel worthless or fill you up with pride so that way you aren't really any good because you're not doing anything in God's strength. It's all in your strength. All these things, the spiritual battle, man, that just made it so clear to me. In that moment and in many other times, that this battle is happening at all moments, all the time. But one of the exciting things that's also happened in ministry is being able to see the scriptures come to life. You know, you, you read these Bible passages, and I, I think sometimes we, we get this idea that these people are like superheroes. Oh, they, they can't really ever make mistakes, or these are Paul, man, he is like super Christian, and he's got it all together. And the passage in Acts chapter 8 where the story is about uh, Philip the evangelist and he is preaching to this guy, teaching this guy that uh, the Ethiopian eunuch and he's teaching him out of the, this, this scripture from Isaiah that this guy has a scroll 
And then they come upon this body of water, and the, the Ethiopian asks him, so here's water. Is there anything stopping me from being able to be baptized? And Philip says, no, nah, if you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, then, then you can get baptized. We, we can make that happen right now. That's what the symbolism of baptism is all about. And there was somebody that uh, at a church I was at that there was a teenager that was asking me a question about baptism, and they were thinking about considering whether they wanted to get baptized and identify with Christ in that way. And as I was describing it, there was uh, another young man, probably about 11, 12 years old, sitting off to the side uh, doing some stuff in a coloring book, and suddenly he just kind of like pops up his head. He looks at me and he says, wait a second. If that's what baptism is all about, then what's stopping me from being able to get baptized? And I said to him almost exactly what Philip said. Hey, if you believe Jesus is the Son of God and you've asked him to be your Savior, there's nothing stopping you from being able to get baptized. And then a couple weeks later, after just talking with his parents and getting everything all set in place, then I was able to baptize him. And it's just exciting Whenever you have those opportunities to really see the scriptures come to life right before your eyes. And then lastly today, I'd just like to share with you a couple of Bible verses in my own life that have really impacted me and just directed me. And many of these I I use constantly as a reminder to myself and others about what's the purpose and why we're here and what... What, are, what is this all about? And First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, Paul was writing to Timothy as a, as a young, young pastor, a young preacher. And First Timothy 1, 12 says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And the reality is that I do thank God and I thank Jesus that it's, it's nothing of me. He has enabled me. He has counted me faithful even in my faithlessness, even in my mistakes, it's it's the faithfulness of Jesus Christ that enables me to be as faithful as I am even now. And I, I pray that with each passing day, I get more faithful to his kingdom. But he put me in the ministry. He enabled me. So no matter what it is in your life that you're struggling with right now, he can enable you too. He can cause you to be able to rise up above all of those things that are holding you back, all those regrets that you have, all of those pains of the past, the the despair that you may be feeling. He can enable you to rise above it all. And you too can be faithful, not in your own strength, but in his strength. And he can use you to impact others. He can use you in his ministry. Whether it's in a job capacity or whether you every single week faithfully show up and serve in whatever God has called you and enabled you to do. But use your gifts, use that enabling to be faithful in his ministry. Proverbs twenty four sixteen is another verse that I often quote where it says, A righteous man may fall seven times and rise up again, but the wicked fall into mischief. We can be discouraged too many times that, well, I've made commitments and fallen away. But I love this verse because no matter how many times I fall, the love of Jesus Christ is always powerful enough to pick me up, dust me off, and help me to serve him once again. The only thing that makes me unfit is by staying down and wallowing in those miry pits of sin and that that sin that just traps us. But through his power, I can always, always get back up. 
And so I thank God once again that even when I fall time and time again, that he is always there to pick me back up and help me. Even though I get angry, like I said, I'll, I'll never get angry like that again, and I do. I'll, I'll, I'll never think that again, and I have. I'll never say that again, and then I did it. What a joy it is to know that his grace and his love is always enough to forgive me again. And with that, Peter, someone who spent many, many years with Christ, who spent even more years serving Jesus, who had seen the resurrected Christ, who had denied him, he was with Jesus for so much. And then as he was writing one of his letters, this is probably one of the best ways that I could ever think to conclude our lives and conclude a letter to other Christians. He says in 2 Peter chapter 3, in the very last verse, verse 18, But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I just thank God that as I continue to grow older, there were things that, that I used to do. There were people that I was trying to impress in my early days of ministry. You, you want your mentors to look at you and be proud of who you have become, the man that you have become, the work that you're doing. But I'm glad that the grace of Jesus Christ and the knowledge of who I am in Jesus Christ has allowed me to shed a lot of those things. And now I just get to serve him in simplicity, in spirit, and in truth. And I serve him knowing that I will stand before him alone someday for how I served. And whatever it is in your life that you may be trying to live up to someone else's standards, grow in his grace. Just, just bathe in the fact that you don't deserve his grace. There's nothing that you can ever do to earn his grace. But Jesus pours it out upon you, not begrudgingly, but because he wants to. He loves you. So grow in that grace. Grow in your knowledge of him, who he is, what the scriptures say about what he does for you. I'm currently reading a book right now um, called Gentle and Lowly, and it speaks about the heart of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and what a joy it was to be reminded that he is not just the, the intercessor that's interceding on my behalf in the eternal state that, okay, he is, yes, he's forgiven me, and one day in the grand courtroom of all eternity, I am not guilty now. But he intercedes for me even now. He is protecting me and defending me even now against all the things that this world and Satan and all the, the forces of darkness and my flesh and all these things that are trying to pull me away from him. The Lord is protecting me and interceding from all of that. So what a joy that is to just know, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Read the scriptures, read some other books. If, if, you like some, if you have some questions about some good books that you could read that would help you grow in your Christian life, I have several I can give to you right now. I have others that I could recommend to you that we could get for you, or if you'd like to buy them yourself, but, but just continue to soak that in. And whether you read one book a year or you read 50 books a year, read something that will help you to continue to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ so that way you can be able to fight off all those 
those terrible lies that Satan often tries to, to get us to believe about who our Savior truly is and what he is doing for us each and every day. So as we conclude today, I just again thank you for listening in and I hope that some of my story is, is, is helpful to you and what a joy it is to be able to share stories about what Jesus Christ is doing in our lives. And if you would like to share your story about what Jesus has done for you, about how the gospel has transformed you, then feel free to give us a call, 916-572-2322. Again, that's 916 572 2322. Call us, text us anytime, and we'd love to help you grow in your grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so that way you can have a more successful, fruitful life for the kingdom of Jesus. This is a place that we love to praise Jesus and all he has done and celebrate the transforming power of the gospel. This is I Love to Tell the Story. God bless and have a great day.